I'm Kenyatta. So I'm here with Reem and Theo. Welcome to No Ideas Original Sports. How are you guys doing this week? I'm doing good. Doing as well. So we had a big week of the NBA playoffs. I mean, I think that there was a couple of upsets, a couple of things we didn't expect to happen. Whatever. Um, let's start on the West this time or something. And you know what we're going to start with on the West? Phoenix Suns and the LA Lakers. I mean, I, I will say this. I do think that if um, Anthony Davis was fully healthy, I don't think it would have been necessarily a, a, a blowout or anything like that. It still would have been tough. But I think the Lakers probably could have pulled it out with a healthy Anthony Davis. But I still don't like a lot of things I've seen in, a, in that series. It kind of told me a lot about the players on the Lakers, LeBron's state of mind, where he's kind of at right now. What do you guys think about that whole that whole series? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it would have definitely been a lot more competitive with AD healthy. But at the same time, I, I still don't necessarily think they would have won the series because I just think Phoenix is peaking right now. Um, plus, I think LeBron is a little banged up. Maybe with a healthy uh, LeBron, maybe. But I'm not surprised. Their role players, too, don't seem to really mesh well. Like I know they brought in Drummond. I don't think he necessarily meshed too too great. Schroeder is kind of a playmaker, but LeBron is running the point, so that kind of puts him in a weird position. I thought uh, KCP played well for them because he, he played more that spot-up shooter type of role. Um, but the rest of those guys, Montrez Harold, uh, kind of fell out of the lineup. You know, a guy went from six man of the year to barely getting six minutes. So that was a little strange. I just think this year was off for them. Um, so I'm not surprised Phoenix won. Reem uh, said I this stuff, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. But uh, the Suns were uh, one of the better teams all year long from start to finish. Um, the Lakers role players was an upgrade from the previous roster, so we saw that this year you know, with uh, Wes Matthews and saw those two guys with this in particular. But it's still a better team guard. I think I think if uh I was healthy probably go seven games. But uh the one to twelve, one fifteen, Suns had had a better team, probably better coach too, better role player stepping up. You know, he got guys like uh the Johnson came from North Carolina. Yeah. And Payne kid who's doing his thing. Uh, uh the GF uh, Crowder, you know, he made big shots or good Tommy shots at worst. So, uh, you know, that being said, they're the best teams from, one of the best teams from, from season starters. So, why not? Why be surprised if these guys uh, eliminated uh, the Lakers for the playoff? Yeah. I mean, I, I got I agree with both of you guys. I mean, some of the stuff I thought was strange was like, you remember you talking about guys playing the rotations? Like, what happened to Andre Drummond? You know, he, he really wasn't a factor in it at all. And then you, you, you look at it like, um, some of the comments and some of the things that happened afterwards are kind of strange. Like Magic Johnson going on the, on talking about he doesn't think that um, Dennis Schroeder is a Laker type of player, like a personal attack, like he's the guy that caused the problem. LeBron was was gassed a couple of times where he just wanted out, and he just didn't seem like he had the same lift. Uh, you know, it, it could be fatigue. They would they did go a long time in the bubble, but I mean that brings us to another topic. Do we think? Is LeBron still LeBron? Because, it, yeah, that's the question. I'd like to see what you guys think. Is, is, do we think LeBron has hit that peak and started coming on down the other side of it? Seems like it to me. I think he's been there for a little while now. 
Um, but he, he really looked at that part this year, I would say, especially in the playoffs against Phoenix, where we all know LeBron really isn't necessarily uh, like a scorer, like he'll score, but that's not his main thing. So now when you have a guy like AD out, right, who he's dependent on to be that type of scorer for him, um, it just look, made him look worse. So even if he's not on that side, this series kind of made him look like he is because his, his lack of aggression in terms of scoring. Well, 18 years is a good excuse to be declining, that's for sure. Uh, with that being said, the last two years he's been injured, you know, back-to-back years. So maybe uh, his body is coming uh, down. I'm not saying, well, I'm quite sure he's in good shape, but maybe his skill set is, 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 is slowing down than, than before, which is understandable. So for like 18 years, that's still 18 years. Put a lot of mileage on, on the regular season and play off his career. Um, I think he's a guy that could do it in spurts or do it in halves. You can carry the team, but not for a full game. And you shouldn't be able to do that for a full game either. You see the point where he could do it for two quarters, do it when needed. And he needs somebody to help the AD, maybe somebody else too as well, maybe a third quarter too as well to uh, be there and help him uh, try to get uh, another chip. But as far as having LeBron, I think he could do it for four quarters. Nah, he can't do it no more. I still want to you know, better place in the, in the world. Man, I, I think the best way to put it with LeBron is Father Tom is undefeated. So, yeah. and I think it's a little strange, right? Because they brought in Schroeder, like as a playmaker, to take some of that load off LeBron, but then they never re- really put the ball in, in Schroeder's hands to allow him to do it. The only time Schroeder kind of sort of fell into that role is when LeBron got hurt. Then they put the ball in, in his hands and he played better, but once LeBron uh, came back, it went back to Schroeder, that is, um, playing off ball. So I think that's also killing LeBron, having to try to playmake every possession. I, I, I think that's by choice on his behalf because I think a lot of the players, you notice that as they get older, they start to adapt and, and move into a different phase. I think LeBron should start to understand that his better hit the better part of his game may be not bringing the ball up. Because like any other other thing, you play basketball, you tell it to pressure the ball, the guy with the ball, you know, get up on him, make him work. LeBron's got to work. Some of these teams are smarter now, too. They're not just letting them walk the ball up the sideline. You got guys trying to, you know, swat at it, picking them up the full distance, making them fight to catch it. So that, a lot of that's going to take some energy out of you. And from what I've seen with LeBron, it's kind of a respect thing. So... If a guy like Rondo was on the team, LeBron seemed to have a certain level of respect for certain players. So if Rondo was out there, even though he usually carries the ball, he would default a little bit to Rondo. I just don't think that he ever had that level of confidence in Schroeder to, to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to default to Schroeder and let him handle it. You know, I mean, yeah. if you look at his resume, it wouldn't really dictate that you do that. But, you know, from the team perspective, you know, I can see him doing that, like, playoff Rondo with the rings, you know, and stuff like that, the background. And the other guys, he probably would. But Schroeder, he probably just didn't feel like, you know, that would be the guy. And the crazy thing is we talking about the guy declining and he still averaged, you know, gaudy numbers. So it's not like he, he he's terrible. I don't think anybody's saying that. Um, he's just not up to LeBron standards, which was a, a 
you know, crazy high standard to begin with, but he's still going to get you 20-something points a night, eight rebounds, eight assists, or whatever it is, regardless. I think we've almost, uh, at least me, taken his game for granted at this point. I think that's a part of it, too. So now, not seeing him go for 28 and seeing him get 22, 23, along with his rebounds and assists, looks like he's diminishing. Uh, I want to remind you guys that uh, Dennis Schroeder was playing very well when the season started. Let's not forget that. He's playing very well. Yeah. For the COVID and for the Bronco hurt, he was born out making big shots and carrying a load too for part of the early season. And then what happened was his game kind of changed. He turned out to have big ass contracts for plus million. Yeah. That's when he turned out big contract down. Then he, he go through the COVID protocol a little bit, comes back. And next thing you know, you know his jump shot ain't dropping no more. And let's and let's, and let's keep it real. He was uh, he was all right in Atlanta. Yeah. Got a little bad. Okay, you see under the tutelage of CP3. Like this, being around CP3 like that will keep you confidence. Got more virtue and you know the road and learn techniques like that. So we can move on to Lakers or another team, whatever that may be. You kind of inherit other people's uh, attributes and put it together. But like I said, he paid well for the end of the season, though. But after that, turning out a big ass contract and, and, and COVID, COVID crisis, he's been the same ball play. Yeah, that's true. Well, to look at some of the other series, I mean, Utah, Memphis, I think we pretty much got what we thought. Memphis gutted, gutted one out. Utah pulled that off. I mean, Utah is along the lines of Phoenix, like what you said, the you talking about guys that were was in that that played well the whole season. So Utah and Phoenix were one and two. So I don't think anything happened that was unexpected there. That what do you guys think? Yeah, like you said, I, I kind of just had them winning that one game. Um, outside of that, of course, no surprises for me because I, I have Utah. Assuming they stay healthy, I have them in the finals. So I'm not surprised. It was nice to see Memphis. Uh, get into the playoffs though I think that was a good learning uh, tool for them similar to the Knicks so you take it and run with it uh, bring it into next season hopefully and continue to get better yeah we said it good with the uh, expectations of, of Utah advancing past Memphis listen man it's good for John Moran and his brand that the world know that he's, he's the real deal he's a superstar already in the making and uh, future's better and big as far as John Moran's in the world and Memphis has some uh, nice pieces in place to build around. They have a very good backcourt with uh, him and Dylan. So, um, that being said, it's good, it's good to have a new team in the playoffs and all that, like Memphis and the Knicks for sure. Yeah. But, uh, like, like, like Kareem said, like, I mean, uh, Kareem said, um, Utah beat them, we're going to no shock at all. Yeah. And they, they talked about afterwards about how great the team chemistry was, how all the guys like each other, like playing with each other. So, that's always a positive. And then they got guys that come off the bench that do well for them too. Right. And I think Kyle Anderson said this was the best he felt in years. Mm-hmm. Valentunas is playing well. You got Kid Bain and you got the other the other guard. I'm sorry, I forgot. He was him. He's playing well. And listen, we didn't yeah. even see much of Justice Winslow. Grayson Allen's doing well. So they got some pieces and they'll have a draft pick. So they'll be able to do something. Right. I wonder I wonder how much Jaron Jackson now, like does he stay happy with his role? I mean, he'll he'll be the he'll be between him and Dylan Brooks, they'll be the two slash three option alternating every game. Moran's always gonna be the, the, the number one option. 
But even if you look at him, he kind of plays unselfish because in the before the playoffs, he didn't take that take as many shots. Like his scoring average, he could have scored more, but he looked to get others involved. And in the playoffs, he picked it up a little bit to score more. So I, I think he, I think he'll be happy with his role. But I also think they have the type of team that internally they won't tolerate it. So if he's not happy with his role, he probably won't beat it. They don't, yeah, they don't seem like the type of team that's going to just let him, like, any one of them wreck the whole team because they want to do their own selfish thing. So he'll either get on board or they'll do something else. We had, um, we had a, a, a good one. The Clippers actually pulled it out against Dallas or something. Kawhi was Kawhi, and Pozingas was, again, unimpressive. What do you guys think? Uh, I think of that series. Yeah, it was a it was a nice series. I wanted Dallas to win, um, just to see somebody new. Um, I thought they were playing an entertaining brand of basketball, um, but overall, no real surprise in terms of the Clippers did what they were supposed to do, in my opinion. You know, all of that being said, in regards to Porzingis, I think. I don't know. I wonder if he's a product of Luca's game. Because I look today, Luca took about 30 shots. You know, so how much do you expect the guy to do when he's when he's you know taking maybe 15 shots, maybe Porzingis somewhere around there? But at the same time, I think you said it best before, Kenyatta. Where I think a big part of that is I'm not sure Luca trusts KP. I know they want him to have that bond like they're big two. And maybe Hardaway has their little big three they're trying to form over there, but I don't know if Luca trusts uh, KP. But in terms of the Clippers winning, I wanted Dallas to win, but I'm not surprised to see the Clippers win. They did what they were expected to do, in my opinion. Yeah, I have a lot to say with this series, man. So hopefully, we're gonna win. Uh, as far as series concerned, um, see was over when Dallas lost Game Three. They had a 20 point lead at home. What about that game? When I lead in that game, the series, the series over from that point on. So you, you can't, this is a playoff time. You can't, you can't, you can't steal home court advantage. And then and you're up 2 0 with a 24 lead and go out lead. What, what happened in the game? That's a lot of, a lot of confidence, which you all have seen. And these guys want to win, what, what, four to five? Yeah. From that point on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's weird how the Dallas reserves. They play well in a row, but they don't play well at home. Yeah, that, that is true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no. Um, as far as Lucas concerned, Lucas is a very good player, but he has LeBron James syndrome on the free throw line for sure. He can't make his free throw. <laughs> you know that's for sure. Um, well, I learned about Porzingis. I learned today actually listening to a radio show in Dallas. You know, Dallas there for my cowboy information, so on. Um, that uh, Tahari Senior on, on the show today, what I heard. And he said how the trade went down. He said, Paul Zingas was the Tanova and not too hard away. He said, I said, oh. before, he said, he said, I know he's my son, but I'm not trying to defend him. This is how that guy had went, he said. Nick was in Dallas. Dallas acquired by Tim Hardaway. So he said, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we're trying to offer. At the same time, Paul Zingas, mind you, he was out with an injury. His his uh his brother or his uncle was an agent. Yeah. Informed the Knicks that same day that they wanted to trade and went out of New York. They gave the Knicks a um I guess uh some team they want to go through, I guess like the Spurs, yeah. the Phoenix, 
And Dallas wasn't one of those teams. So Dallas goes back and tells uh, Dallas, I mean, this go back and tells Dallas, listen, I feel about KP6. Like, well, are you serious? You gonna trade KP6? Why not? So Nick said, listen, we'll give you KP6, since you trade Tim Hardaway, if you guys add on um, the Lee kid for salary cap space. Yeah. Court This is for salary cap space. That's how the trade went down. Nobody knew KP was available until um, his uncle or his brother-in-law, I guess it was his brother, uh, requested the trade the same day Dallas acquired by trying to get Tim Harden from the Knicks. He was on the road about the Panama Mavericks. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I always thought that that trade felt a bit rushed. But at the same time, um, I know the Knicks, being a Knicks fan, we were chasing cap space to try to bring in two stars. So the fact that they were willing to take Lee is probably what made us pull a gun on the trade. But I, yeah. I always thought we could have got more for KP because I think um, supposedly at the time there was rumors that Boston may have been willing to part with Jalen Brown for KP. At the time, mm. yeah. Yeah, I think so. That would been great. So, so the last West series we have was Denver and Portland. I mean, I looking at this, I thought that I mean, Portland, it doesn't seem like people step up. It seems like Lillard steps up, other guys fade. I don't know if it's a personnel thing, if it's a team thing. I don't know if it stops. It's a, it seems like there's a lot more dysfunction there behind the scenes maybe than what's, what's actually there because some of these guys, they look like they're standing around just watching the game being played. And then some of the deals that they made or moves, I didn't understand them myself before. Where you like? I mean, where you went out and you, you got Norman Powell and Covington. I guess you were playing to play small ball, so you got C.J. Damian Lillard, Powell and Covington, and Nurkis. You were never going to be a good rebounding team with that team. You got four guys who basically like to shoot the ball from the outside. So I mean, right now the coach bit the bullet on this, and Damian Lillard's talking about his future and what he wants to do. But I think the general managers should have ate some of that. And I mean, as far as Denver, hats off to Denver. You know, guys like Michael Porter, you know, stepped up that last game. I think he had six three-pointers in the first quarter. You know, you had um, the guy on the bench, Monte Morris. You had um, the, the Knicks don't want to hear this. You had Austin Rivers <laughs> playing well. So yeah. what do you guys think of that series? Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, I would have liked to see um, Denver pull that one out, especially like with the heroics that Dame put, you know, put forth. So it would have been nice to see Portland um, advance, especially with Jamal Murray out, right? But overall, I'm not surprised to see Denver win it. But with that said, like you said, the team is kind of strange the way they're constructed. Because I think uh, Dame and, and CJ kind of overlap in terms of skills. Um, CJ is not necessarily, he can hit threes, but he's not like a, a spot up shooter, let's say. So he needs the ball in his hand. So when Dame time is happening, CJ, like uh, Kenyatta just mentioned, is standing around watching it for the most part. Because um, he's not really a spot up type of, type of guy. He's more of a playmaker, a shot creator. So I think those two don't necessarily blend the greatest. It's not bad having a backcourt like that. I wish the Knicks had that problem. Um, and then you move on, like you said, Norman Powell. I think they just brought in Norman Powell because uh, supposedly Gary Trent 
they didn't think they would be able to re-sign Trent. So they said, you know what, let's just move him. You get a piece in here, Norman Powell, maybe he 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 likes it and he stays, right? We could sign him. I don't know if that's going to happen because I think Powell is out. Uh, I don't think he's re-signing back. Then you move up, you have Carmelo, who's kind of, you know, Carmelo. He's not the same Carmelo anymore. He, he pitches in here and there. I think Nurkic is a good piece. Um, then they have the Jones, the high flyer. He, he's okay, but overall, I think their team is just constructed a little, a little strange in their up and down play. Um, but it was nice to see Denver on the flip side um, uh, perform well. But I, I would have liked to personally see Portland um, get get out of the first round just to see Dame advance. Yeah, you know, you know, Portland's just a jump on a high team for many years now. You know, that's what that's what y'all that's what y'all should say. Um, I, well, I would trust. I, I feel that they need some more defenders. Who plays defense in that team? You got to bust some maybe scorers, you know, to try to score. You know, somebody got to play defense, man, man, defense. I don't think Dame is known for defense. I don't think CJ is. We all know Melo is known for defense. You know, Covington is supposedly their defender. Covington, yeah. Covington and Nurse, but that's not enough. I will, yeah. But yeah, somebody, I guess, could defend, defend in a time of need. But uh, they, they need to shuffle that team a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we trade uh, CJ. I don't know because they're not going to trade Dame. I don't think because then they'll they keep saying next year for four years for like twenty plus mil. So um, yeah. do you go one more year with both backcourts? Who knows though? But I need somebody with defense, man, and more people are athletic too on the front court. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree. I think I think they need to make some roster changes because you look at it. I mean, realistically, I, I say this about a lot of teams, and it's just just my opinion. I think, to me, when you have a when you when you have like I think it's a fourteen or fifteen man roster now, right? One of the mistakes I think teams are filling up is we love to have veterans, right, on the team. But here's the thing: if then if they're not contributing and they're not ex champions, then why not have a young athletic guy that we could teach how to play on the bench? as opposed to just having some old guy because he's just old. Like, you got a lot of guys on people's benches that they really don't do anything. They just sit there. Like, they can't help the young kids get better. They can't contribute on the court, and they don't have playoff or championship experience. To me, that's a guy that, that's not really helping the team at all. So you, you got you got that, and you look at, you look at Portland. When we look at this, why wasn't Anthony Simmons playing more? I'm pretty much sure he could have did whatever Covington and Powell was doing for tremendously less. So, right. yeah. And then you got the other kid, Nasir Little. He's not playing at all. You playing Powell at the power forward? I mean, you got you got a guy that Nasir Little, the guy from you from North Carolina, was one of the highest flying guys in all of college. He can't touch the floor. You got Derek Jones. There's a reason why Miami just let him go without even giving him a contract. So. They, they really need to look at that. I mean, looking at the West, we got some interesting second-round matchups that, that should be pretty good. You got Phoenix and Denver, and you got, let's say, LA's, the, um, the Clippers in Utah. So I look forward to seeing, seeing that this, this um coming up this week. So moving to the East Coast, I hate to bring this up to you guys. Unfortunately, 
we got a chance to see the Knicks, you know, they was they, they lost. I think it was more for me. It seems like inexperience and maybe getting caught up in the moment a little bit. So I think I think um I think they just need to get what's the name? I think they just need to get more experience, whatever for that one. But Atlanta, yeah. Atlanta, as we see, is proven to be a really good team because Atlanta moved on to the second round and defeated Philly today. So between between the Knicks and Atlanta and Philly, what do you guys think of that series right now? Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, the Knicks. Um, unfortunately, we didn't advance, but overall, no real surprise there. I think Atlanta has the deeper team. They're further along in their build than we are. I would say they have more talent. So I'm not shocked. The only thing is I'm uh, a little disappointed in Randall's performance. I still think he's a key piece to our team. So I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, we got to move on from him or anything crazy. I still think he deserves a good contract. Um, but no real surprise in terms of Atlanta um, winning that series. The only thing I will say is that um, I think Trey Young showed that he's definitely more of a star than Randall is. Because yeah. it was they were on two different levels in the way they performed. Trey Young is a superstar right now, I would say. Whereas Randall, Randall's a, a an all-star, I would say. He's not a superstar, Randall. And Trey Young, I would say, is a superstar right now, you know. Um, and I know a lot of people originally were using the whole, well, it's Randall's first time in the playoffs. And, and that's partly true. But at the same time, I'm looking at Trey Young. It's his first time. I'm looking at Devin Booker. It's his first time. So those are guys that are true stars and they're performing. You know, they're going out there and killing. But, yeah, no real surprise there. And I'm also not surprised to see Atlanta um, beat Philly today. Um, and be hurt, but still perform well. But at the same time, I think Trey Young, he's a problem. You know, you got to figure out what to do with him. Mm -hmm. So no real surprise. Um, Philly, they better be careful, or they may they may lose that series. Yeah, Randall. You know, I don't want to talk in hindsight, but listen, I'm, I'm back on for Randall pool from last year. He carried as well. Um, I would still say that Atlanta was just a different team than the season. They had missing pieces all year long. The pieces that was missing was available come playoff time. And now uh, Atlanta is more better structured than the Knicks are as a team too as well. Yeah. I think the Knicks also as a, as a team kind of looked at identity, which is defense. Which is defense outside of Randall not being Randall of, of the other season. But Trey Young is the real deal. Yeah. Showed out, so his kind of party against us don't taste too good, or don't look too good either, as well. Though, but that being said, he's a real deal, and um, it'll be a problem for me. I will, I will say this: if you look at if you look at Atlanta's roster, and a lot of people may not realize it, Atlanta is probably one of the tallest rosters in the league. You think about it, outside of Trey Young, you got you got Capella and Henson, you got Gallinari. You got Hunter, you got Bogdanovich. None of those guys are under 6'8". And then they got Reddish, who didn't even play that 6'8". So that roster is a pretty, they got a pretty long and lengthy roster and they got good athletes and like you able to defend like Theo was saying and stuff like that. So they got a lot of a lot of good length and size on that court, whereas the Knicks are kind of like the opposite. Right. You know, the, Knicks, the Knicks will say, it's not a good matchup for the Knicks. And like Theo said, guys got healthy, guys they haven't seen really too much. So it doesn't really help them. 
And I mean, I look at this this next series with Philly, and I think that they, I think other than Embiid, which who should win his matchup, I really think that the, um, they can have a lot of problems with Atlanta because I like I like um, Philly supporting cast, but I don't think you're not gonna put Ben Simmons on Trey Young, and if you put Ben Simmons on Henson, that's not gonna really help. You put Ben Simmons, I mean, really. There's no like his his defensive prowess is not gonna really really be able to stop anybody of consequence. And you, you think about the other guys, they weren't great defenders to begin with. Harris and Curry and all the rest of these guys. And they all have link with the Sixers outside of um Embiid and and B Harris and um and it was have been um what uh, Simmons. They're not the tallest team either. They got some guys off the bench, but a lot of their guards are like some really small guards. And they don't need. I don't see them being able to penetrate as well as the Knicks did. So, Thibel is 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 uh, tall, relatively tall defender. He's probably what about at least six five, six six. Thibel. Yeah. They may want to. It, it hurts their offense, but they may want to consider starting him. You know, just for the defense, because I think with a guy like Trey Young, you what you have to do, and they were saying it before um, in the Knicks series, is you either have to make them just a straight-up score or a straight-up passer. You can't let them have both in terms of getting into the paint with those floaters or like in the lobs. Yeah. So what I would do is, is put length on them and just try to trap them, get the ball out of his hands, you know? Either that or you just can't let those other guys score. Let Trey Young get his 30, 40 points or whatever it is. And you shut down everybody else, but you can't have him getting his 30 and getting the 10, 15 assists too. Yeah. But he's being that he's relatively short, I would say you gotta on those pick and rolls, because he's running pick and roll almost every play. On those pick and rolls, you gotta just trap him. Trap him with length. He's gonna get a, a couple of turnovers here and there. And you gotta be a little physical with him. Yeah. And on defense, you gotta make him work too. Because they always find the matchup where they could hide Trey Young, which is smart of them, right? They always find the matchup where they could hide him defensively against the Knicks. They put him on Reggie Bullock, right? That's one of the reasons why I think this Philly thing helps him too. Because how much work do you have to do if the guy that they, the guys on Philly that he his counterparts just stand in the corner? Yeah, that gives him. You know, he's he's relaxing on defense conserving his energy and then he has all, all all energy in the world to run the pick and roll for the float all live on the offensive end for for them it's the perfect perfect uh strategy you got to make him work on defense well trey young is getting the ball out of his hand fellas trey young is getting the <laughs> ball out of his hands and making good decisions and yeah. guys is knocking down shots man i think you gotta be physical with him double team and he making the, he making the correct passes, the correct reads, and God is making shots with Schroeder, Collins, Bajanovic, Lou Williams. He's got well. too. The trade's getting doubled, and he got the right open. These guys making shots, man. Right yeah, they're, they're, playing, they're playing really well. One, one thing I would say though is uh, I think the refs need to stop with some of those Trey Young fouls, in my opinion. I think it's getting out of hand with him just jumping into people and getting those. Some of them are legitimate fouls, but he's one of the main culprits. It's not just him. The league is, is kind of like going that way these days with people just stopping and, and jumping into you. But Trey Young, I think, is getting a little out of hand with him doing it. Agreed. The Philly defenders today, right? Ben Simmons was picking up all type of crazy fouls. Thibault picking up fouls. 
you know what it is? And I, I get that. People have been doing that for years, and that's a smart play. It's just that the NBA didn't really call it. So if I run in front of you and you crazy enough to chase behind me and I stop, that is a foul. I mean, people hate it, but it's definitely a foul. The, pro the problem with it is that he jumped, like, instead of being on a straight plane, he'll jump into the plane of the guy that's already running, and they'll call that. Yeah, he's jumping. He's jumping backwards. You know, yeah, he'll come he's come and then jump backwards. You know how many people he not hitting the in the yeah, in the mouth because yeah. he's jumping yeah, back with his head, hitting people in the mouth. They'll look at it and they'll probably adjust it like the Kevin Durant rule with the swipe, where they don't give people shots no more for that. So, yeah, I would say if anything, they they should probably go that route because it's hard to deny the fact that it's a foul because there is some contact there, even though he's generating most of it. But giving them two free throws on that, I think they need to, uh, the league needs to look into that. And again, it's not just him, but he's one of the main culprits of it. Yeah. So, I can't hear you, I'm sorry, man. Oh, that's okay. I'm sorry, issues over here. Look at, looking at those other two series, we, we they kind of went as expected. Brooklyn beat the Celtics, the Celtics are shorthanded. So we kind of expected that to happen. I mean, hats off to Jason Tatum, and Miami just got completely dismantled. So, so that that was, I mean, that to me that was a little surprising. I thought that they could have contended. I don't think they would have. I don't think they would have won, but I didn't expect them to get completely dismantled. And, and then, then the first thing Jimmy Butler does is ask for supposedly he's requesting a, a max deal, which I can't blame him, but. It's like, dude, you you just put up probably the worst series of your career that I can recall, and you immediately supposedly demand the max. Again, I don't blame them. You try to get your bag, but it's like, let people forget how you just perform before asking for the max. So that was a little strange, but I think Miami, we spoke on them before. Theo had a good point where them gone like the small ball center with Bam kind of finally caught up to them. They got exposed a little bit there. And that's another one of those teams where they're constructed a little weird in that, I don't know, is like, who's their point guard, right? They have the the, the left-hand guy, I can't remember his name. He, you know, he, I don't think he starts anymore. You're talking about... Um... Not even none, the other guy, because none was starting at one point who was left-handed, but the other guy wears the relatively big knee brace. Yeah, he. European guy. Yeah, Dragon, right? Dragon, yeah. Yeah, right. So you, you got him between him and Nunn running the point. Um, and Nunn is, a, I believe, a restricted free agent. So yeah. I don't know if he'll be there. So you have Nunn. They try to kind of sort of convert Tyler Hero into a point at one point this season. I thought that was a little strange. Jimmy Butler is not necessarily a playmaker. So they explored that a little, trying to put the ball in his hands. We already know um, Duncan Robinson can't create for himself. So who on that team could actually play make for them? I think that's a big part of their problem. They're, all of that being said, I think they made it as far as they did based on their defense. I think they yeah, have a defensive team they just have to start out their offense. Yeah. I'm going to ask you guys a question real quick, because uh, a lot of these teams need point guards, so to speak. Who's really out there, I guess, you know, to spend some kind of money for these players? I mean... That is do, true. Everybody knows yeah. oh God. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, do the Heat and the Knicks and Smells going on another year of uh, uh, above-average point guard or... Uh, 
at 80%, Derrick Rose, so to speak, or, I mean, do you want Eric Bledsoe? Come on, we don't want Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> you know what? You know what? It's like either, these days, either you get lucky and you draft one and they develop into that star, but you look at Donovan Mitchell, even though now they moved him over to the two, right? So Conley can slide in. But you got right. Trey Young, you got Damian Lillard. All these guys, for the most part, were drafted by their respective teams. Um, you look at Sacramento with uh, De'Aaron Fox, right? So I think the teams that are struggling in terms of lack of point guard, most of them are teams who just never put enough focus on it and drafted one and developed them. Man. Who's the last point guard the Knicks drafted? Charlie Ward? Frank <laughs> Frank. Oh, yeah, Frank Nilakina, right? I, yeah. I, think, I think the problem with some of these teams with the, with the point guard thing is that they they have different points. Like right now, if if it was the Knicks of last year, we could, we would have accepted a drafted point guard because the expectations would have been lower. But now, it's going to be tough to draft a point guard because the expectations are much higher. So if you bring a yeah. bring a young kid in here and he makes mistakes, he's going to get yanked. And we got Derrick Rose out there starting or whoever they're going to get. You know, right. I mean, there's some deals to be made, but I don't know if teams are bold enough to do it. Like. I'll give you a perfect example. I don't know if they would do it, but maybe you package those picks and go for Tyrese Halliburton or something. You know, it's funny to Sacramento because I was actually thinking that I was thinking them, but I was thinking you package a bunch and and throw them uh, all at Sacramento for De'Aaron Fox. And the reason why I say that is, um, for one, I think they really love Halliburton in Sacramento. So I, I think they kind of sort of already start looking at him as like the future, which is why they started clearing space for him to be able to play, right, and get minutes. Yeah. So I think they're kind of sort of looking at him already as the future. You just paid the Aaron Fox all this money. You're still not winning. You got a guy who you're comfortable with and into like sliding into Fox's position. And if you can get three, four first rounders, a couple of young players to go along with it or whatever it is for De'Aaron Fox and clear that cap space while while you're at it. If you're Sacramento or something to at least look into. You know, live, I'm, if I'm the Kings, I'm going to tell you what I would want to do. And I'm going to tell you as Knicks fans, you probably not going to want to do it. If you get De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Hill is coming with him. Because we don't <laughs> want Buddy Hill. And on top of that, I'm going to want RJ, Obi, whatever, and, and smooth for those picks. You know what, I, I, I'd i do that in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> it, it addresses... Take Buddy Hill back, too. It addresses almost everything we need. We need a shooter, right? That's yeah. what Hill can do. Hill can shoot, you know, the lights out. We need a point guard. Fox can get into the paint every possession. Every time down the court, Fox can get into the paint if he wants yeah, to. anytime he wants to. He's not the greatest, uh, and he's a good defender, too. He's not yeah. the greatest in terms of his perimeter shot. I think he still needs work there, but he addresses. He's personally in that draft. <clears throat> he's personally who I wanted. It's just that he went obviously before we picked. But I would love De'Aaron Fox, and I wouldn't be upset with Buddy Hill as as a throw-in for cat relief or whatever it is. I might be willing to give up a couple of more picks, another pick in there if needed to get him. I think. The only, I think if I, I, if I was the Knicks, I would try to keep the pick. And it, it kind of depends if they believe that New Orleans Noel is going to be a long-term solution or not. Because 
Do you do you pay Norlands Noel ten million dollars a year, which is a good you know a good rate eight million, ten million, six million, or do you pay Rich Mitch seventeen million for five years? You go you you go with Noel for for two years for for twelve. I'm paying. I'm I'm in that scenario. I'm paying Noel, and the reason why I don't think Noel is better than Mitch. No, um, no. be crazy to suggest that. But given how the NBA is today, and I do think Mitch kind of sort of fits into today's NBA because he's a yeah. he's a lot threat. Um, right. And he and he's a defender, right? He's a shot yeah. blocker. But the reason why is I think you could find more of those those type of big men. For for relatively cheap. Look how we got Noel to begin with, right? We brought him in relatively cheap. What one year, four million dollars or whatever right. it is. So I think we could find those guys on the open market. Not easy, but easier, I would say. So I wouldn't overspend on the center in today's NBA. Same thing, I think Drummond in terms of free agency, Drummond may have some problems in terms of finding work at the the salary he, he thinks he's worth. I mean, you look at it. What's, what's interesting is if the Knicks wanted to, they could get no. They could keep Noel. They could go out and pay Dwight Howard four million dollars to back up Noel. Yeah, so that's the point. Howard got two million dollars this year, and the, and that, I mean, to me, I, I hate to go back to it. The Lakers made a big mistake by letting McGee and Howard go for next to nothing, and that cost them a lot. But yeah, I agree. You like you just said it. You can go out and get a Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee. There's plenty of those type of guys floating around looking for work. You know, Dwayne Deadman. Yeah. He ain't the greatest, but if you give him starters minutes, I think Deadman can get you ten rebounds in a block or two. Yeah, he get you about 12, 14 points too. Look at uh, another guy, but I think he is gonna command some money on the open market, but he falls into that category as um Rashard uh Holmes, right? From yeah. from things. Right, I think they're gonna have to pay him, or somebody will. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that you could like, like, you can poke around, and I think you're right. You can poke around and get those type of guys that are available out there for for cheap a bit. But I can see it to keep Mitch long term. He's gonna want that at least that that I call it the 17 or more deal for four or five years. He's definitely gonna want that. What about Miles Turner? Yeah, I yeah. definitely think Miles yeah. Turner. I heard that he might be on the block too. And I, mean, I don't know what they'd have to give up for him. You know who else I would look at that's a free agent too from the Knicks? I would look at um what's the guy that could score at will that he didn't play that much this year? Um What happened? What team talking about? What play is this? On Indiana. He was the small forward in the bubble, he was going a ridiculous amount. Oh, uh, TJ Warren, right? Yeah, TJ Warren. Yeah. Yeah, the Knicks could use somebody like that. <laughs> right. Yeah, he could create his own shot. We need a guy who who can do more than one thing at a time. You know, he's we got plenty of money. Yeah, I would definitely I would look at him for the right price. I already heard rumors, and I I like the rumors with Fournier. Um, I think he can create for himself, create a shot that is, and knock down shots. I think we need playmakers. I wouldn't go too crazy and overspend for Dame where I'm offering five, six picks. Okay. RJ over mid. I wouldn't draw a lot for Dame. On top of it, Dame is what, 30, 31 years old, something like that. Yeah. And his game, I think, is built to last because he's more of a, a perimeter guy. He's not trying to, you know, dunk all over you and but you trade for him, 
then you got to start thinking we need to win now. Yeah. And as long as they're comfortable with that, you know, then you go that route. But otherwise, I'm going with, I'm spending my my pieces somewhere else on a younger player, De'Aaron Fox or whoever it is, see if I can pry him away. So we look at this other game, we look at it, and, and I got to say, I'm awesome. I'm definitely going for the Nets, but I'm, there were so many people talking about even with Harden, the Nets were going to lose to the Bucks. The Bucks got them. The no defense and the rest of this stuff, right? Harden goes out of the game within the first minute. All of a sudden, we start seeing LA Clippers Blake Griffin. <laughs> we start seeing guys start playing like with him like they used to. I mean, I think I, I mean I watched Milwaukee and I thought that with, with Harden out at that time, that was their best chance to go out there and, and get that game. Now I think the Nets going to go back and prepare a little more and these other guys, the other guys going to be a little more ready. I mean, I, I actually think that, I think that the Nets will probably beat Milwaukee in six games. You know what? I'm not necessarily for this series, but in general with Harden um, going out with this injury, I'm a little concerned for the Nets in terms of their championship run. I think they can probably still get by. Um, Milwaukee, maybe. It depends on. I, I still think they need Harden, in other words, in order to win. Because, um, like, their main thing we just said is definitely not defense. I thought they played well defensively um, this, this first game. But their main thing is trying to outscore you. Now you lose Harden. Is it sustainable? Like, the, the defensive effort they put up this game one against Milwaukee, is that sustainable for them throughout the rest of the playoffs? I don't know if it is. I think they need to outscore people, and without Harden or Gimpy Harden, I don't know if they can even outscore everybody. Another thing I would say um, with Milwaukee in terms of Harden going out, and the reason why they may have not looked as great is the same way you said now, game two, the Nets have a, a, a chance to prepare. So does Milwaukee. You go out there and you game plan a certain way for James Harden, a couple of 57 seconds in, Harden is out. Now you got to adapt and change your game plan on the fly. The defensive schemes and stuff like that was built around trying to stop him. Now other guys are taking those minutes and you don't know what these guys are going to do. Mike James is out there, right? Claxton, <laughs> guys you didn't even game plan for. So yeah, they're professionals and obviously none of those guys I just named is as good as James Harden. But now you have to change your game plan. So this, knowing that Harden is out for game two, I think it gives Milwaukee a chance to draw up a scheme against the next team without a James Harden. So I think you'll see a different Milwaukee team. Whether it's enough, though, I don't know, because Milwaukee, they got a history of folding up. So. That's acquiring KD and Kyrie. The Nets already talk about championship before they even trade for Harden. So the expectation has changed now that Harden is there and he's hurt. Right now for the Nets, it's about chip and chip only, whether Harden's playing or not. Um, the problem is Harden makes the team better when he plays point guard. He's a better facilitator than Kyrie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's where they heard that more than, more than anything else. You know, so um, that being said, uh, we were Reem, he had a better chance. The Bucks, I should say, had a better chance of winning game one. I think with Harden being out, they would keep that game still out. So game one, but they couldn't do it. And like we said, the Bucks, the Bucks, man, they're, they're like a game too. They're Portland too. 
But he gonna yeah. show up. We, we don't yeah. know. I mean, I'm yeah. sure they advanced. They advanced to prior rounds, but that basically they still took a high team. You know, they're gonna show up. Yeah. And now with the Nets winning game one, get a lot of Nets better preparation to play them with Harden even even more now. Well, but that being said, the Nets had um, chip expectations the moment they signed Kyrie. And yeah. That changed now that Harden's Harden's here and he's hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they. I don't think Harden not being at change what they expect to do at all. Right. They expect to win the championship with or without Harden. There. I do think the Bucks will adjust to him not being there. I just think the problem with the Bucks, I, I'm watching some of that game is like, I don't, I, don't, I, I think that the, as, as much as much as you look at the Nets, I think the Nets have kind of a rugged type of team. Like I don't mm. think a lot of guys like to get physical like that. Like Blake Griffin will not shy away from getting physical with Giannis. Those got Bruce Brown, all these guys, they mix it up. Even guys like Joe Harris, he doesn't have a problem with mixing it up. And I look at the Milwaukee players, and I don't really think they want to play that game. I don't even think Giannis wants to mix it up, really. Yeah. I, think, I think Drew Holiday, he doesn't mind. But other than that, I don't even think Milton wants to mix it up. I think they, they might be a little, they, they're, physical, they're big and physical and talented in that way, but I think they might be a little soft, too. Yeah, a, a good question is, do you think, especially if Milwaukee loses this series, do you think Giannis is more of a extremely good, a great number two? Like, does he need somebody like, a, let's say, a Bradley Bill? Middleton is good, Holiday is good, but does he need somebody else with that killer mentality next to him? And I think Middleton, again, I think Middleton is a extremely good piece um, as well as Holiday, but does he need a Bradley Bill or because I don't know, if they lose another series, they got to reevaluate again or if I'm honest, I may be reevaluating, even though he signed that extension, does he ask out or I, I, I look at those teams and I think I think about, like what you're saying makes sense, I think sometimes the pieces even if they're all individually good they don't necessarily fit the most now Giannis, he is a number one option, but he needs to have somebody that has the battery in him. Like, you know who would be great with Giannis? Who the Bucks should sign? They, I'm glad they got Drew Holiday, but they needed Chris Paul. That's who they needed. They needed somebody. Chris Paul went over there, and everybody on that team felt like they could beat everybody. He changed the whole complexion, put the heart in these guys' chest. Everybody's amped up and everything. Milwaukee is a bunch of nice guys. You know, uh, you know. Boy, she got Brooke Lopez, a lot of nice guys. And you know what? When you play against dudes that's not nice guys, it's a little tough. Because Kevin Durant is not a nice dude. Like, you see people bumping. The KD's pushing people around. Irvin's talking. These dudes, and they're not nice dudes. Blake Griffin is tossing people to the floor. And I don't I don't think Milwaukee, they just don't have that. They need people that put the battery in them or something or get them going. Like, I would tell you this. They would be better off trading Middleton even for, like, Jimmy Butler. Because Jimmy Butler ain't going to let you go out there and toss him around and talk crazy and stuff like that. They just don't have anybody that'll stand up for themselves. And he, even Giannis, he won't stand up for himself. I've seen times where people kind of roughed him up a little bit and get him to start changing or shying away a little bit. I think they brought in, like, uh, one of the guys that comes to mind that they brought in kind of, sort of, for that role was um, Bobby Portis. Yeah. I've seen him yeah, get yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. Toss him around. The only thing with him is it's hard to be an enforcer from the bench. 
you're not in the game, you can't really do anything. As Giannis is getting roughed up, if he's not in the game, what can he do? Yeah, because I, oh, I thought Milwaukee, I thought Milwaukee, I thought Miami roughed them up last year pretty good. Yeah, and I think with the Nets, they don't necessarily uh, have to worry about being roughed up too much. But I think we said it before. I don't think anybody fears the deer, so to speak. No. And the Nets got some more people to rough people up on that bench. Because remember, DeAndre Jordan ain't touched the floor yet. So they got some fouls to give. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bodies to throw out there and they're, they're, they're good now imagine look we talking about them getting roughed up and Jeff Green didn't even play yet right so I'm going to play it too what's missing uh, DeVizincio oh, yeah, yeah. yeah he... you know what that's a guy that could use too because he really wasn't yeah. like being now he would he would he'll, he'll, he'll hold his own he's not going to let people rough him up either yeah right. I, I would say that was a significant injury for them yeah they just need somebody with some heart or something. I mean, they got talent. They got a lot of talent. They just don't have the people, the type of players like with that killer instinct and that. I mean, you making max money. <laughs> nobody should have to. Hey, nobody yeah. should have to do that. They're in a tough spot because they they spent a lot of money. Giannis, Super Max, Chris Middleton got crazy money. <laughs> through holidays not he getting got, paid crumbs he just right? got a new deal too yeah, he yeah he's not getting paid crumbs so they kind of they they spent their money i don't know how much i don't think they have much cap space so in order for them to reconstruct that roster if they decide to go that route one of those three i just named is gonna have to go and i we know it's not Giannis unless he's asking out so what do they do how do they get better they got they gonna have to trade some assets like put it this way you want to get tougher? Trade trade Brooke Lopez to Jackson Hayes. And then somebody like that that's gonna go out there, dunk the ball, yell at people, push around, and, and push them get, get crazy out there. And people don't want their uh, Milwaukee's draft picks per se because they're a hell of a regular season team, right? So why would I? You know, lie. Maybe uh, they need Andre Drummond. He may bring some physicality that they that they aren't used to. The only thing with him is he kind of sort of clogs the paint. So some of those driving lanes that Giannis is used to having may not be there. But they got to figure it out if they lose another series. Yeah, I think you know I think there's a lot of a lot of people like that. Like when you watch, like even with the Lakers, you go back, you look at the um, look at LeBron and you look at AD and stuff like that. When I watched that Phoenix game, even when they played. DeAndre Ayton wasn't afraid of them at all. You know how like people get out there. He he went out there like I'm just gonna move this dude out the way like he ain't even here. And and we know Ayton is good. He's the number one pick. But he how, before Chris Paul got there, with these guys carrying that level of confidence around, like you know what, I bust AD up out here. And that's that's what you need. That's you you need somebody out there that's gonna be like yo, you know what, we can take these dudes. I think once they won, once they went on, you know, that hell of a streak in the bubble, I think that's what like blew their confidence up and then signing CP three or trading for CP three in yeah. the summer just took it to another level. I, I think he's gonna make a good coach when he decides to leave the game. I think if he if, if he retired, he could get a coaching job straight from being a player the next year easily. 
I think he's either gonna be really good or really bad. And the, and the reason why I say that is CP3 plays with that intensity all the time, right? So he's gonna expect nothing less from yeah, you know, from his players, especially whoever's running point for him. Oh yeah, and if you can't live up to that expectation, you're gonna have some problems with CP3. And he may get frustrated quickly, right? Expecting people to be him. Right. Imagine, imagine if CP3 was on a team like New Orleans right now. They might have been in the top three seeds if he was on New Orleans. With Brandon Ingram and Zion. Yeah, even Lonzo. I think Lonzo yeah. could use playing with somebody like that. Because yeah. you look at a guy like Cameron Payne. I was looking at it where uh, the quote from the Bulls organization where they said after the second practice, after they drafted him, second practice, they thought he wasn't even an NBA level talent, Cameron Payne. Then he became known as Russell Westbrook's dance partner. Yeah. <laughs> now he goes over there, gets next to CP3, and this guy is, is a, a, a contributor to a winning team. I wouldn't mind seeing Cameron Payne on the Knicks, the way he's playing. No, what? I mean, you know what? He got he got the confidence. He gave it to him. He gave it to Schroeder. He gave it to Shy Gilgis Alexander. I mean, all of these dudes, you get around CP3. But, but you know what? I think that's a point in every basketball player's or every athlete's career. You need somebody to tell you that the person standing in front of you is no different than who you are. And you could beat this person or whatever. So I think part of the mystique, that you know what? We talked about LeBron. That might be part of it, too. Young kids don't care about who LeBron is. Like older dudes, be like, "Yo, that's LeBron." You know, these young kids come in like, "Yeah." You think that when we watch when we see Anthony Edwards this year, you think he cared who LeBron was? LeBron. Who? <laughs> <laughs> think about it. This dude, A Rod, bought the team. A Rod, who's that? So <laughs> these young kids don't even look at it like that. They like, "Yo, I could ball out too." Right. And. I, and when you, you know, when you take that mentality and you going hard at these dudes, I mean, when you get older and up there and different things, you're not used to that. Like, I don't think LeBron's used to people coming at him like that right now, like that. And uh, maybe, you know, he got some nights, well, okay, night I play Giannis, night I play KD. But, you know, did people, even KD said it after that, he said he put Tatum in the same level as playing against LeBron and Kobe and all of them after that series. Tatum didn't go out there and curl up. Tatum went after him. Like, you know, yeah. I'm going to get this. I don't care your name, KD, or whatever. That's the difference. Young kids don't care no more. So now you <laughs> now you go out there, you got to play against these dudes. Before it was like, oh, man, that's LeBron. Dudes in the locker room laughing like, you got to play LeBron tonight. Tatum probably like, who? I don't care. So what? And that's, that's the difference. You know what? Another, I'm sitting here thinking another um, crazy, as we're talking about this, crazy thing is, Devin Booker um, and Trey Young, neither one of them were initially selected as All-Stars this year either, right? Nope. So here it is. You got two young guys lighting the playoffs up and weren't even All-Stars, weren't selected as All-Stars. That's why when the Knicks took Quigley, why he played so well. People don't realize those dudes that play for Kentucky, those dudes played against big, huge fans since they were the best players in their high schools. They were the best players on their AAU team. And when they got to college, they stopped being able to play the way they used to play. If you're the number one guy on your team and you play with number two or three, and now you are playing with six other dudes that's the number one on their team, somebody got to take the back seat. 
So what happens, you go to the NBA and the dude tell you, you know, we need you to score. You're like, you need me to score? That's what you need me to do? Mm-hmm. Came in the game like, yeah, I can make shots. You need somebody to make shots? I make buckets, and, and that's that's the difference. Sometimes college actually make makes players look worse. Yeah, there's a lot of players yeah. that go to college, and they go to these systems, and all of a sudden they're running around screens, doing stuff they don't usually do. Or whatever, they don't get to dribble the ball or nothing like that. And you're like, man, who is this kid? And then you get you get a you get a kid like nigga, I was telling telling um telling my son the other day, did you know that Gordon Hayward can handle the ball like that coming out of Butler? Or Gordon no. Hayward could jump like that? No. Gordon Hayward was uh, all the screens, shooting three pointers and stuff. Gordon Hayward that, um, one year and all of a sudden Gordon Hayward was dunking the basketball and people throw, dribbling between his legs. Look at look at uh, Donovan Mitchell, right? Supposedly he had to be convinced to stay in the draft. He put his name out there, and yeah. they had to convince him. And once he got to the league, he just immediately hit the ground running. I thought he was good in college, but he wasn't even convinced that he was necessarily ready. It's, it's different. It's different if you get out there and you wish him you you confident in your ability and you can do some things. The NBA. To some extent, if basketball is crazier, as you get higher up in levels, some things get easier. In high school, they play zones, refs make bad calls, they don't call, they let people do all types of crazy stuff. As you go to college, they be paying attention a little more, you run on screens, it's more organized. In the NBA, if somebody touch you, you go into the line. In college, they let you put your arms out, grab people, hold them. Not in the NBA. In the NBA, if you get around somebody, if you quick or can handle the ball, it's it's like very rip. a great offensive player can't be stopped on his own in an NBA. It's, it's impossible. You got to score him. You got to double team from because guys, you watch guys now handling the ball. Guys just literally blow past people every play. Like Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is still super quick and handles the ball fairly well. Anytime Derrick Rose wants to, he can blow past the first guy. And they just they just got somebody's gotta be there to help. Right. But yeah. Young kids, young kids realize that. Other dudes are still they like that's why to some extent it's tough for young kids to play with LeBron. Because if I want to throw the ball between my legs too, and I, I want to go to the basket too, I don't want to go stand in the corner. Stand in the, go stand in the corner and wait till I kick it to you. And when I kick it to you, make sure you shoot. I mean, yeah, I, this sounds crazy, but I was looking at the 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 um, reading the ESPN and they talked to Taylor Horton Tucker, and you know how everybody always talks about they want to come back. He didn't say he wanted to come back. He was like, I'm gonna let my agent take care of that. <laughs> he didn't even say he wanted to come back. You had other dudes like, yeah, I want to come back. I want to be there. Schroeder said it, Caruso, they all wanted to tell him, nah, you know what, I'm going to let my agent handle all that stuff, and he'll, we'll figure out where I'm going to be. Yeah, he's ready to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What? he got talent, he can do stuff too. So he's like, you know, I'll never do anything here, as long as LeBron's here, I'm going to be here just chucking him, standing on the corner and stuff, and it's not to say that he deserves to have the ball more than LeBron, it's just that that's the way it works out. Right. Plus, I wonder how much uh, how much of that is impacting Kuzma's game. Is everybody who's left LeBron, Lonzo, Ingram, everybody yeah. in that trade who they got rid of, uh, stepped up a little more, and Kuzma seems to still be stuck at that same level, or yeah. uh, regressing a little, maybe. I, I thought, yeah, 
I didn't see much from him this time. He paid good last year in the bubble, though. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He was out in the bubble, though. He made big shots in the bubble. This year, he kind of regressed a little bit. For whatever reason, I don't know, maybe bond his hair. The hair's blind now. I don't know what it is, man. But... <laughs> this year, he's kind of awful, man, come playoff time. He was a no yeah, show. Yeah. Moving off of basketball for a minute, we had a, a blockbuster trade today. Julio Jones going to the Tennessee Titans. I don't know if I would have predicted him going to the Tennessee Titans. And they got a, I mean, they got a second round pick this year and a fourth round pick next year. And they're giving up Julio Jones and a sixth round pick. To me, I mean, other than Julio Jones being over 30, I don't, mm-hmm. do you think they got enough for him? Or, I mean, you think the deal was good or? It was good for the Titans. The Titans, I thought, was already a problem. And now with Julio Jones, they're, they're even more of a problem. So, good trade for the Titans, for sure. Uh, they got a good uh, value for him. Julio Jones, Julio Jones is not in his prime. He's in the back, back end of his prime. In the last two, three years, he's been hurt. Yeah, yeah. Hurt a lot in the last few years, man. So, uh, but right now, right now, where he's at right now with him and, and Henry and another wide receiver, was real fast, Brown. Brown, yeah. Yeah, very good offensive line. One of the top five, I think, personally. At least top ten. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Tannehill has turned a corner with his, with his career as far as being a, a QB who can beat defenses. is very accurate. Always had a good arm. He always had good defense, you know, so on. Uh, and Derrick Henry, could, you know, could, could keep him healthy, man, with, 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 with being a... Uh, uh, Heavy low cannon football, so to speak. You know, he carried the ball 35 times per game. Took up all, all those loads from well, I guess uh, Julio Jones. And for the trigger, so I think Brown benefits the most. We have Julio Jones. Oh yeah, Julio yeah. Even flashes of his old ways. You gotta bracket him. Yeah. That's one. As far as uh Henry, they're number eight man, nine man in a box no more. Yeah. Now the standard maybe what, five guys in a box? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like to that Brown kid, man, he could really benefit, man, for having Julio Jones and uh, a good old line and uh, Derrick Henry, man, in the backfield. Yeah. So we got some other interesting news. Coach K officially, officially said this is last season, and they basically named John Shires for replacement. I don't, I don't really have a problem with that. You know, I mean, there are some other players that I would consider. You know. Would have might have considered that might have got a shot, but a lot of those guys have jobs already, so they would have to leave their job to get that job. I mean, the one thing I do say, and I, I, I wonder what you guys think of this. I think I personally think that part of Coach K leaving is the emergence of stuff like this overtime elite league, this G League stuff, and the ability they're going to have to have or how hard it's going to be to compete to get these top level kids to go to college. What, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think. Uh, that's exactly why he left, in my opinion, is um, just the landscape of college basketball is about to change dramatically. And I don't think he wanted any parts of it. I don't think he just woke up and granted, he is, you know, has been doing it a long time. So I'm sure there's burnout. But for him to just up and say, this is going to be it. This is my fa- farewell uh, tour. I think it's a lot of what you just said, um, the competition to get these kids in to college versus these these supplemental leagues. So I don't blame him though. Obviously he's had a great career, one of the best coaches to ever do it. 
So why stick around and put yourself through that? So I, I don't blame them. You know, certain sports news always remind me that I'm, I'm getting old. <laughs> and this is one of those news that uh, Coach K moving on retirement, you know. Coach K been around forever, five-time champion, many multiple uh, conference championships, all that good stuff, man. And, and, and him retiring, it's like, wow, man, time is really flying by, for real. He's retiring. Uh, but that being said, you know, I'm quite sure, yeah, he always had health issues, too. Whether it came out and reports of that, I'm quite sure as a on maybe in, in the high 70s, maybe his health was in effect. Reem saying about the uh, the landscape of uh, college hoops because these guys, you know, it's probably getting paid now. You know, not all these kids don't care about going to Duke no more. No, don't care about going to Carolina. You know, look at Kentucky. Yeah, you know, yeah. a bad year this year. So a lot of these kids is just going through these overtime. Uh, uh, Situations and G leagues and what will come after that too as well though. So, uh, but that being said, uh, college hoops will miss Coach K and ACC with that word Williams with Coach K. Coach K, man. Yeah, that's it's, crazy. That's it. Yeah, no Roy Williams, no Coach K. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's what. So after this next, after this uh, upcoming year, I should say, there'll be no Roy and no Coach K, man. It's gonna be kind of. Mm-hmm. Difficult yeah. to see watch for sure though. But uh Coach K one of the best man. All time great. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. On on a different note with coaches, we seen we seen um Orlando coach lose his job. We seen Terry Stotts lose his job. We seen this is the one that gets me. We seen Brad Stevens get promoted to to team president and Danny Ainge stepped down. Now, okay, Orlando they seem like they're going in a different direction. They got they traded Bujic, they traded Gordon, they traded Fournier. So to me, that's like a complete gut job to commit to rebuild. So usually in that scenario, the coach goes. Portland, he's been there for nine years with Dame, you know, CJ and stuff. And sometimes you lose and they feel like you can't get over the hump. You go, you know, go in a different direction. Yeah. Brad Stevens couldn't get over the hump and had talent and lost and got promoted so I, that's the one that's kind of getting me I don't, I don't really understand that what, what do you guys think of this whole thing I don't know it seems like like you said I agree with um, them moving on both Orlando and Portland from Clifford and Stotts I think uh, that was overdue in Portland I think uh Clifford was out in Orlando simply because, like you mentioned, they're going in a different direction. The Boston thing, I think, more so has to do with Boston being of the mentality that all of their fix uh, fixes for any problem they have is already in-house within their organization. Like, Boston doesn't seem like they like to make those big moves outside of the organization unless they have to. So I think um, Stevens just kind of fit the bill for them. Uh, he's already in-house. We like them, let's promote them. You know, I think it's more of that than bring somebody else in. It's just the way I think their organization runs. Yeah, uh, I've been reading with far as Boston concerned. Right now it's about um, who, who, who are these teams hiring? You know, I'm quite sure Stevens and Ainge and the other people in Boston Brass have a good uh, communication with one another. Uh, Brass team is still a young guy, with a young mind. 
probably have a good eye for talent as well. So, guy like Brad Stevens, man. Plus, Brad Stevens was coaching during the LeBron era, man. Don't get it twisted. You know, his whole career, he got to deal with LeBron James, man. So, uh, <laughs> I guess the trade with Kevin Walker didn't, didn't really pan out too well. It didn't yeah. pan out too well also as well with that trade. Um, but my, my, right now, I, I'm trying to think about who going to uh, replace these guys or who these guys going to, I guess, offer or try to have as head coaches, you know. Um, but Boston, you know, I'm hearing mainly Becky Ham- I heard Becky Hammonds for one time. Becky Hammonds for yeah, sure. Yeah, I heard that. And two as well, uh, maybe Chauncey Phillips, never know. You know, um, as for Orlando, man, look at my name for you for Orlando, man. Since Orlando want to do a total, total rebuild, go out there and hire Penny Hardaway, man. It's possible they could they could try. He's a he's a he's a player from Orlando. I mean, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think that would be good. I mean, in Memphis. I think Jason Kidd might be angling for that job though, for the Orlando job. Again. I think Jason Kidd might be angling for the Orlando job. Yeah, well, cut that. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Me personally, I'm not. I'm not a big fan. I mean, I would like to see. I would like to see some of these other guys get an opportunity. Like, I don't think Lloyd Pierce got a, a completely fair shot with Atlanta because when Lloyd Pierce was the coach with Atlanta, his whole thing was he had to play the young players. The minute Lloyd Pierce got fired, none of those young players played. So. He was him. You changed what you did when you were with the different coaches. Lloyd Pierce's thing was to play the young players. You seen that you were kind of like in the mid range. You possibly make the playoffs. You give it a coach, and all of a sudden, guys who used to play go to the bench, and you start playing Gallinari and all these guys a bunch of minutes. So he didn't necessarily get a fair shaking. When do we get to see Mark Jackson again? I'm mean, important with that. Yeah. When do we get? When do we get Mark Jackson again? Um, even Jeff Van Gundy. When do we get to see him again? Well, those two names I heard about Portland might might get get a guy's interview, so it may happen, yeah, I man. Mean, those, I mean, I even heard that Kenny Smith is inter- interested in some of these jobs, like coaching or front office jobs. The only, the only thing I say with like a Jeff Van Gundy, um, obviously the guy is a great basketball mind, but I wonder if if his coaching style fits today's NBA because I don't think you could tackle like the Knicks thing. That's not gonna work. <laughs> and even some of the stuff he was doing in Houston. Yeah, I agree with that. But look, but look at Tim, though. Tim's Tim took off time. And like he kind of adjusted too as well a little bit. So yeah. maybe, maybe, I guess not to his game. Do we see with. any college coaches getting a shot besides, like, say, a Penny Hardaway? I mean, is there any anybody that we can think of in the I, college? I've read Juwan Howard on shortness for Portland, that's for sure. Nice. Nice. I would like to see that, Jawan Howard. I know. Yeah, um, yeah. I know. I mean, I don't think he'll do it, but what, is Pat gonna ever get a shot? I don't think Pat's gonna yeah, ever get a shot. You? Um, I would like to see it, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. You should get an interview. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You should get an interview. So. It'll be interesting. And then, I mean, you still got guys like Fred Hoiberg out there. They seem to have loved him. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, he had he had a big, you know, following fan base, whatever it is. Or like, doesn't get hired again, you know, by somebody. Maybe Sam Cassell. Yeah. Please do. Yep. yep. He's, a, he's, a, he's a big name out there, too. Right. So it's interesting. Plus, too, I'm interested to see how, how they do this interview and how many minorities get interviewed for these coaching positions too. 
or how that's gonna go. So that'll be interesting to see too. Mm. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see who gets these jobs and how the interviewing process goes. Right. Because I mean, I, I'm still the 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 Indiana thing still mind boggles was mind boggling. Just take the dude from Toronto, not interview nobody. The assistant coach of Toronto. Right, right. like it's coming back to haunt him, too. And then the Minnesota thing, too. Remember the Minnesota thing where they didn't even give dude a shot? Who did they bring in? They brought some guy that they had already basically brought in. Mm -hmm. so those those hirings are questionable, so we'll see. Yep. We'll definitely see. So... Now that we listen, now that we know, you know, that teams are moved and teams are eliminated, I mean, we look at the Knicks or something, let's say for a team, I would have to say, to me, I think the Knicks need to get more athletic. And I think they need, they, they have shooters or they need guys who can create their own shot. I think other than that, I mean, you really listen really like we, traditional centers are not needed or whatever. They really just need playmakers and athletes. I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think it starts with the point guard. Similar to, like, when you look at football, the New York teams, you have the Jets, right, who haven't really found that franchise quarterback. Same thing with the Knicks. We need that point guard. So it starts there. Get a, a, a superstar or at least all-star level um, talent at the point guard position and then build out from there. You already have some some solid pieces in Randall. In order to get that point guard, you may or may not have to give up quickly a RJ which I will be willing to do depending on who the piece is coming back. But I think in today's NBA, uh, you need that point guard who can get into the paint, hit those floaters, or knock down an occasional shot from outside. That just makes the game so much easier for everybody else. So I think we need to start there, get, get us a, a real good point guard. Is the NBA draft before or after free agency, like in football? It's, okay. I think they, I think they, um, they pushed it back. I think free agency might be before now, because I know the NBA draft's not all the way till like July twenty. The, the draft is not till July 29th or something like that. Hmm. Okay. And I Check think free agency is what June first or July first. I think. Okay, because I, I was just thinking out loud to myself when I was smoking. I always said if the NBA draft was was before free agency, I would probably wait and see get that kid from Baylor. Um, Devion Mitchell. I, yeah, you know, yeah. I actually like the Butler kid more than the Mitchell kid because I think the yeah. Mitchell Mitchell's a speed guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of both. So, yeah, he's a combo guard. Yeah, yep. I look, I look at this with the Knicks too, and when I think about it, right? What would you guys think of this? So we always talk about playing roles and the amount of minutes we play them. We know that roles could play, let's say, 25 to 30 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. What if the next decide, you know what? Let's go a cheaper route or something and bring in John Wall with John Wall with Derrick Rose. You look at how John Wall was playing before he before he got hurt and everything. John Wall was getting eight assists. He was getting 19 points or something like that. I mean, would you consider bringing in John Wall? Yeah, I'm not opposed to bringing him in. He wouldn't be like the top of my my list, but he does fit the the criteria. He fits the need 
um, that we have in terms of a speedy point guard who can get into the paint and just create havoc. His jump shot isn't the greatest, but I think it's serviceable enough where you have to respect it. The only thing is obviously his contract isn't isn't the, the best. So I would consider it though, um, before giving some of these other guys the money, I would consider bringing Wall in. Plus, I don't think you would have to give up too much for him because on Houston's end, it would be a salary cap dump. Exactly. You might actually get a draft pick with John Wall. Just because they want to dump him. Yep. John Wall had a good year, fellas. Yeah, he did. <laughs> a very good year. He had of old John Wall, but, you know, he out there by himself with, with Rockets. Rockets is definitely depleted, man. They're like an AAU team out there, man. So, <laughs> he's still balled out. I have no issue with John Wall. I think John Shot is a little more serviceable. He's, he can be streaky, you know, yeah. but he can go. He can take over a possible quarter, possible game for sure. He'd be a good fifth in the Knicks. I, I, I like that for sure. You know what I'm saying? So if John Wall is available with a pick, I won't mind. I won't mind doing that for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Don't sleep on Kevin Walker, man. I mean, remember about the Knicks may may chop in too, or they thinking about it too as well, man. I, I can see something like that happening too. I mean, my only concern with Kemba is always the health, but as far as bringing him in, I, the way the Knicks play and the way, you know, the style of defense and stuff, he wouldn't hurt him either. Because the Knicks play a lot of health and style defense, and it's more schemed than like individual, you know. What, so yeah. I don't think he would hurt him. But I think with Kemba. Like a lot of people look at it at 82 games. If you get Kemba to play 65 games a year and be available for the playoffs, I'm good with that. Yeah, I think they they may have to give up a piece with Kemba as well and get out of that contract. Yeah, because of his health. So you may have to give me a pick. Or uh, I heard that they're interested, especially with Brad Stevens taking that front office position. They're interested in trying to package Kemba and Marcus Smart. See, I don't want him. It's not that I don't like like Marcus Smart. Like toughness. I don't think he's good in. I don't think he's good in the locker room. Like you like. You don't need nobody that the other player's not going to like. That's the that's the problem. I don't think that Tatum, if you watch the games, I don't think any of those guys particularly care for the mm. bench guys. I think Kimba's kind of in between. He tries to get along with everybody. Right. I don't know how he does with Tatum and Brown, though. You know what? I wonder if some of that is because um, he's attempting to maybe hold those guys accountable for certain things, and they oh, just yeah, don't... I think that I think that's exactly. You know, that's a part of it too. Is if I'm Jason Tatum, I'm the face of this franchise, yeah. and you're not on my level. So now, when you're trying to speak to me and hold me accountable about certain things, I'm not going to go for it. So yeah. I wonder if a bunch of it is that too. Is that he's trying to just hold guys accountable for throwing up all type of wild shots, not getting back on defense and all type of stuff, and. I wonder how much is they just don't like him because of that. I, I think I think you're probably right. I, I think I think it's one of those things where unfortunately he's good probably good to have around in that way, but it's a nightmare for Brad Stevens because you don't want anything that's gonna upset Tatum and Brown. They gotta make sure those dudes is happy. And it is unfortunate you might have to give away somebody you might want to keep, but you need them more than you need smart. So they'll get rid of smart, Kimball, and anybody else. Anybody that comes in there from now on is going to have to be somebody that they think fits well, especially with Tatum. And I think, uh, with Tatum. I think like a Marcus Smart on the Knicks, he wouldn't necessarily be bad because like with Tibbs as the coach, Tibbs is a rugged guy to begin with who's looking to hold people accountable. Brad Stevens 
kind of reminded me of somebody who's looking to be everybody's friend. You know, he's looking to be a, a player's friend. Yeah. You know, holding people accountable. So now you don't necessarily even need Smart to do that because Tibbs is going to do it. I like Marcus Park for the Knicks, man. I like that. He's tough. I like that. I like that. I, I, I think he's tough, but I, I just want to see. I want to see the Knicks start to invest in some of these some of these kids that could really go because their their timeline. Like, listen, if you working with RJ and you plan on keeping OB and you plan on working with Mitch and all this other stuff, other stuff we bring in guys. We go. Though I like Wall and I like Smart too. Smart for twenty eight, twenty nine. You bring in Smart 28, 29, you got Rose, that's 33. If we bought in Ron, Wall is 30. When do you bring in the guy that's that's 22? That actually, you know, that's that the 22-year-old stud or something. Like, I think all these guys are good, but how I want to give you this is a perfect question. People hate Alfred Payton, but how much better is El, is Marcus Smart than Alfred Payton? I think so Smart. Look at the statistics. Look yeah, at the I think Smart is a better. Uh, he's a better shooter, which is, and you know, that's yeah, not saying too much. I might be a better shooter than Alfred Payton, so that's not saying too much. And the crazy thing is, Payton is a is a good defender, I would say, but I think Marcus Smart is a better defender too than than Payton. And, and that's good, but that's not what the Knicks need. The Knicks don't need another guy to get out there. We, the Knicks need somebody to get buckets that can put the ball on the floor. And I don't, I don't see that in Marcus Smart. I think he, I think he fits the Knicks team. If we got rid of Rose, I would love to have Smart as the backup and another point guard as the starter. I think I Smart, Smart. Yeah, Smart isn't the guy you bring in like the key acquisition over the summer. That's not what yeah. we do. Marcus yeah. Smart is once I made all my moves, if there's some way to bring in a rugged guy like that, then you do it. He's not my highlight of the summer. But you yeah. add him in, because I'll tell you one thing. Some of those those guys doing those antics and stuff on Atlanta, I don't think that stuff is gonna work, you know, against Marcus Smart. Bogdanovich putting his finger up, trying to hush the crowd. And that's why a guy like uh, Marcus Morris last year for the Knicks being that enforcer, he helped out a lot in that in that sense, right? Yeah, you know, we got quickly, but Marcus Smart would have served the Knicks well in the playoffs this year, you know, with that that toughness he brings. I, I was I was upset that the Knicks didn't Knicks didn't try to bring in Kevin Porter, the kid that was in that Cleveland cut. I was upset they didn't try to bring him in for, for nothing. You said yeah, that. for a top, I think they they said it was a top fifty eight protected <laughs> draft yeah. pick. So yeah. you're only giving up the 59th or sixtieth pick, if anything, for him. Bringing him in yeah. for free. Yeah, this dude is gonna be the main guy on Houston next year. He went in there and scored fifty something points. Him and yeah. Right, him and Christian Wood. Yep, that's going to be their main guys. So that was it. But I also heard that the Knicks are interested in, I, I mean, I think Colin Sexton. I like him. The guy averaged 20-something points, and he also yeah. I think, brings that toughness. And he's a point yeah, guard. They're interested in Colin, and he can get his own shot. Yeah, exactly. He can get into that paint, and his three-pointer his three pointer is better than it, than it used to be. So I like him. Yeah, because I think what Cleveland said, which is true, you can't have those two guys and pay Jared Allen the money and have to pay both of those guys money too. So you got to choose who's going to be the guy, Garland or Sexton. Especially for a losing team, right? You can't start pouring out max contracts to, to players 
no matter how good they are when they're when your team is losing, right? So locking up those three gives you no flexibility to add new players and you're already a losing team. I got one for you that we would have never thought. How about you let get rid of Mitch and New Orleans Noel and sign Jared Allen? I think Cleveland is definitely bringing him back, you know. <laughs> Plus, I, I wonder if Jared Allen, though, um, I think he is a better version of, of them. But does he give them, let's say, like the floor spacing and stuff like that that we need next to Randall? Hmm. For the money, good. right? You're going to have to give him $100 million probably at least over four or five years. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Hey fellas, this this is what I do. I say Kenyatta, Leon Rose, Kenyatta, call Sacramento, see what's going on with the point guard over there, Aaron Fox, DeAndre Fox. Hey Ring, call Cleveland too about texting, man. Whoever deals when I make a deal, y'all like, I'm pulling the trigger, man. Yeah, you see the yeah. Oh man. So I, I go I go my I go Aaron Fox, Jeremy Fox one. I think he's a better player right now, slightly. Yeah. And then yeah. Sexton. Over deal sounds good to me. I'm pulling the trigger, man. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. think I will go with those guys. And then when I'm looking to bring people in, like I, I, I heard Fournier, but I would love to see Kyle and Trent more. I really like that she Fournier. I like Trent. I like Trent. What's it much more than four? I think Trent probably costs less than Fournier too. Yeah, I, I like all three of those guys. Um, give me whoever's the cheapest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. They all are like very similar. I think. Kyle and, and Trent are probably better defenders, like two-way yeah. players. Um, Fournier, he, he's good. I wouldn't be upset with bringing him in, but give me whoever's the cheapest out of those three. So you figure, look, if you look at Sex and Fox and you look at those three, you throw in a guy like TJ Warren or some one of those type of guys, a Miles Turner, and you start investigating all these guys, I think, I think they could build something. Plus, too, I mean, as much as people may not want to see it, to get these type of guys... I would give you a Mitch, RJ, OB, some picks. All of those guys could be in the mix for the guys that we're talking about. So some of them are free agent, but if I had to give, if I had to give you, if I had to give you Mitchell Robinson to get Miles Turner, that deal would get done. Or if I had to give you RJ, let's say to to um, bring in De'Aaron Fox, I would do that. That deal's done. Yeah, yeah. You have you have to make those deals. So. <laughs> Simply because I think we could easily find, think about it, you could bring in De'Aaron Fox, right? Now we have that point guard we need. Then you could sign a Gary Trent to be your two guard. Yeah. And yeah. then sign another small forward or whatever it is. Foreign, you, yeah, foul. you still could bring back Burks and Bullock or bring back one or both of them. To right. both, I mean, don't get me wrong. Neither one of them did particularly bad. <laughs> I mean, they didn't play bad. They, they're not star players, but they definitely serviceable players. Right, and I both of them go get it. It's like they're not the type of guys that if they don't stay on the Knicks, they're gonna lose a job. Somebody's gonna pick both of those guys up. Supposedly, from the rumors floating around, is is I know Tibbs is supposedly a big fan of Norman Powell too. I can believe that. One of the things too that I think the Knicks need to look into is um, and some teams use this strategy is look to sign players from your, your biggest competitors, right? Does Or bring them, trade for them or whatever. Does the Hawks have somebody that you could trade for that would kind of like, the, or, or sign as a free agent? John Collins is a free agent, right? Yeah. I don't know about necessarily uh, the combo of him and Randall per se. Maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. 
But at the very least, you know, you take a step up adding a guy like that and the Hawks maybe take a step back. Because right now, I think the Knicks need to be looking at it from a standpoint of trying to get on the same timeline as the Hawks. Right now, the Nets, you know, they're probably the team to beat in the East, them and Philly for the, the next few years, right? Two, three yeah. years at least. So you get on a decent enough timeline with the with the Hawks, right, to be like an up-and-coming team. Yeah. You got to think about your moves that way. Unless you go all in. If you start going all in and going to Dame Dollars, right? Dame time, yeah. right? Yeah. Dame is 31, so you can't wait at that point. Yeah. So if you decide to go that route, but me personally, I would go the route of Fox or Sexton, right? You're already building the right way, I would say. You have two yeah. draft picks. Uh, in the first round this year and the early second rounder, you got 19, 21, and I think 32. And supposedly the Knicks are looking to possibly pair those picks and move up into the lottery. So I, I got I got one for you. I got I got one that I think that they wouldn't even have to move up in the lottery to get. It would be a stretch, but he played – I mean, he looked great. I don't know how it's going to translate to the NBA. Do you take Sharif Cooper? I like him. I like Cooper. Concern for me, um, the jump shot, but his playmaking abilities—he fits kind of, sort of what we need. But he doesn't have the jump shot yet. So if if you think you can fix that jump shot or it'll improve, um, then I would I would consider taking him. I would still look to go to Fox route or Sexton route first, because now if you take let's say Sharif Cooper, you're gonna wait a couple of years for him to more than likely be where you need him to be. Um, and I'm personally fine with that, given the Knicks timeline of being two, three years out from competing anyway. But I, I would look to go to Fox route or, or Sexton. But if I can, I don't mind a guy like Cooper. Even if you bring those guys in and you take Cooper, I wouldn't be upset. I would. My thoughts Cooper. He's She's six feet. And I think they're generous on that. I mean, he's not no six two, but... Do you think he'd be, be another uh, Isaiah Thomas type? I mean, he's tough. Think I mean, him. put it up. Trey Young is small. He doesn't have the jump shot that Trey Young has, but body type-wise, Trey Young is small. So the yeah. smallness doesn't really scare me off as long as he can... Um, if you're not afraid of his jump shot and you think he has a decent enough jump shot where people can't just continue to go on the screens on him, then I would take him. The smallness doesn't doesn't scare me in today's NBA. He's 6'1", 165. What I like about him, though, and one of the things... Now, I'll, like, young. Um, I'll tell you that. One of the things I like about Sharif Cooper is that he's a tremendous athlete, too. So Yes. I've seen him play... He's a real deal. Don't get it wrong. He's a real deal. Yeah. But I think he can get it. I mean, he's real crafty with the ball. Basically, he's what Trey Young is when Trey Young came in the league size wise. So they got Trey Young listed at 6'1, 180 now. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. That body type, you could survive in today's yeah. NBA. I would say I it's mean, not I ideal, but I think Cooper's gonna I think Cooper's gonna be be well. I think he'll have some games in the beginning of the different part of the year that he'll do really well. You know, only thing I'm concerned is that like the the NBA season is longer, it's more physical, and guys are bigger, so it wears on you. Like if you look at um, if you look at some of, some of the guys that come in, some of these guys play great games, and then towards the end of the year they start to wear down a little bit, just because they're not used to that full season and stuff. 
So right. it'll be interesting. The one good thing that this year we get to see a summer league. The summer league is back. So we'll get to yeah. see players play in the summer league. I like to see the Knicks use those picks, at least the ones in the first round, to look at twos and threes and look at um look at what's him, look at uh anything anything from one to three. I don't think Julius Randle, Julius Randle's backup I'm not concerned about because Julius Randle's gonna play ninety percent of the minutes. So you yeah. just need somebody serviceable back there. And the big man position between Noel and Mitch Robinson coming back, I don't think you got to worry about fours or fives. But, you know, one, two, and three, you depending on who you draft, how they look, that'll tell you whether you need to bring Bullock or Burks back or, you know, whatever you do. Because even watching these games, like the Celtics, that dude, Nesbitt was good. The dude from Indiana that they drafted, yeah. the two guards, yeah. they were good. Those guys got minutes. The point guard from Oregon, Peyton Pritchard, all yes. of those guys gave yeah. good minutes. Langford. So if you scout these guys out right, yeah, maybe they're not all coming and be starters, but it gives the Knicks a lot of flexibility as far as cap room. If instead of having backups that you're paying $12 million for, you pay them backups like $3 million or something. So if you do want to swing for the fences on a star, or sucking some money from a cap, you could do that. So think about it. If you sign Burks or Bullock, Bullock is making what seven million now. Yeah, relatively, uh, it's it's a decent deal. It was more mixed friendly. Let's put it that way. He yeah. may get raised though. So you think about it. Both those guys got raised. Say so you got two guys, ten million dollars, and those guys right there. No, Noel's got to get a raise. So he's at ten million, or whatever you you figure. You got you got three guys at ten million that probably all gonna average about well Bullock's gonna get more well right now he's gonna get more minutes. But what are they gonna give you? Twelve minutes a game for ten million? Whereas you get a kid out of college, you give you them same twelve minutes for one point three million. Mm-hmm. So you got you gotta look at some of that. Yeah, if you bring in a Sharif Cooper, let's say he doesn't uh he doesn't project as a starter. Not but, right away. Yeah, say, yeah. Taylor, say, say Rose does start. Rose played yeah. 30 minutes. Yeah. Granted, he's not, I, I would say we need to explore the whole, like we yeah. mentioned earlier, going that route. But if we can't pry one of those guys away for an affordable price, and I think Sexton is probably more available than, than Fox is, but I think yeah. Sacramento would listen to the right offer for Fox. Um, but if I end up with Sharif Cooper as running my second unit, I'm not upset with that. And I get a you know a decent enough point guard to start. I even like some of the more affordable guys or guys that seem like they're going to be more affordable and Devontae Graham. Yeah. Right. I don't think I would necessarily overspend. I think he fits with the Knicks, but I wouldn't necessarily overspend on a Kyle Lowry. Right. I'm not throwing him 20, yeah. 25 million or whatever he's looking for. I got a sleeper pick. If he opts out, you know who will be great for the Knicks? Dude from the Nets, point guard that's hurt right now. Spencer Dinwiddie. If Spencer Dinwiddie opts out, the Knicks need to be on that. Yeah, I agree. The only thing with Dinwiddie, I would say, is, um, you know, I, he's made some some comments about the Knicks organization in the past. <laughs> and knowing Dolan, right? That stuff, that stuff doesn't fly too well, usually. Um, so I'm not sure if they would look to go that route, but talent-wise, Dinwiddie fits with the Knicks' knee. He's a hell of a playmaker, and he has a decent enough jump shot. And the, the NBA threw us for a loop again. So the NBA draft, I believe, is July 29th. 
but free agency now is pushed back to August 2nd. Great. Great for the Knicks. Great. From Baylor. Get get keep from Baylor, man. You guys are you guys are really being business, man. Yeah, I think that's a good a good thing. You know. Yeah. That way you can see what your needs are going into free agency. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the draft is the 29th and free agency starts August 2nd. Yeah, that makes sense. You draft your players and then however you need to fill out the roster, whatever your needs are, then you look to potentially address it in the draft. I mean on free agency. So we had a couple of a couple of interesting things happen this week. Um, we heard that CP3 might turn down the forty-four million to be a free agent. Um, I personally think that I think that he's got about three or four more years left. So if he if he turns down the forty-four million to get four years for a hundred million, I'm fine with that. I think I think that might be the better play for him because this will probably be his last contract. But. Forty-four million dollar pill is tough to turn down or something. It would, yeah. I would have to, my agent would have to give me some kind of guaranteed, and it have to be someplace I wanted to play, not just some bounce around team. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's him thinking he can get more than forty-four million for for a single year. It's him wanting to get more years on the contract. Yeah, like, I think he's probably looking for a three or four year deal for around a hundred or so million. Yeah. I think some team will give it to him. If Phoenix is not willing to, I can see the Knicks maybe, you know. I think the Knicks would entertain four for a hundred or four for a little more than a hundred. They would definitely do that. Especially considering he was supposedly Leon Rose's favorite favorite agent, uh, you know. Client. Yeah, client rather, yeah. So they supposedly have this great relationship, especially those two. So I, I wouldn't be shocked. But some team will give it to him, and I think Phoenix will, to be honest with you. I think they will, too. I think they'll give it to him. The only thing I say with Phoenix is, let's say they do it, supposedly they're already saying they're going, the rumor is they're already committing to Max and Aiton now. Then they're all supposedly uh, talking about giving Bridges a Max deal or near Max deal. That's too much money. You're giving CP3 25, 30 million over four, three, four years. D book, right, is already on the max contract, which yeah, he should. Yeah, you got him. And then now you're throwing max money at Bridges, Aiton. See, who's going to be next? Proud asking for a max? The problem with that is that Aiton, he's got to get it. But those other guys, I hate to say it, when you in that mid-range, two, three range, unless you like LeBron, KD type of those status, and Tatum, those three twos that all kind of do the same thing, the Pals and all these other type of guys, y'all, you guys are, are 10 to $15 million players. Maybe that's 17 tops. You can't get no max deal. And be, you, you can't be a max deal fourth option. you the fourth option on the team. If that's the case, Joe Harris should have got a max deal. Whatever Joe Harris is getting, you can get that or less. But listen, I think Joe Harris might be getting $17 million, right? Yeah, he got a good a good contract. <laughs> I think he got now, like five yeah. years for 85 or something. Yes, he did. But yeah. I'm not giving them more than that. Miles Bridges? No, oh, no yeah. I, as a matter of fact, you know what? Carol Bridges, yeah. Carol Bridges, Bridges I, might I don't Bridges know what I give the money to. Over there, maybe. 
because he's a great yeah. player, seems like with LaMelo. Yeah. Now he's going to get the $100 million here. He's going to get the five for 100. And LaMelo's going to get the max. At this rate, yeah. Yeah, you know, Phoenix is they're winning, which is great, but they're gonna have to make some tough decisions soon on how they spend that money. Yeah, Cameron Payne, right? We're not talking about him in terms of Max, but he plays an important role. So, do you you got you're gonna have to pay him more than he than he's getting now if you want to retain him? Yeah. Right? He's not coming back for two million dollars. No, well, he wants he wants five now, Cameron Payne. At least, <laughs> at least that or more. I think yeah. he would get that. That would be good for Cameron Payne. Five more would be good for him. Yeah, and he's gonna want two or three years too. It's gonna have to be like ten or fifteen. Which I would, you know what? I would give it to him. That's a reasonable deal. I would, I would probably give it to him too. I would be scared of the uh, Mikel Bridges max. You know, or yeah. but I don't think I would max him out. He does play a, a significant role on that team. He's a good two-way player, but he's not max-worthy, in my opinion. No. Cameron Payne, IQ, backcourt, the bench sounds good to me. Yeah. They they already have uh, Mikel Bridges' backup, and, and uh, the guy from that Theo mentioned Cam from North Carolina, right? Yeah. Johnson, so right. Mikel Bridges thinks he's getting the max, and you don't want to pay him. He gonna lose the job to Cam Johnson. Yeah, you got Cam Johnson waiting for that starting small forward role. That's right. Guys, I I, I waited to save the what's him the, the last crazy the craziest question for last. We got another Kendrick Perkins. Listen, Kendrick Perkins, great commentator. You know, as we know that he's the greatest commentator and says some of the dumbest stuff ever. Kendrick Perkins says he'd rather have Russell Russell Westbrook's career over Allen Iverson's career. So what, what do we think of that? I mean, for me, statistically, you know, if you want to get hollow stats and bounce around the teams and people hate you, then you're good. You could be Russell Westbrook. But if you want to win and take teams to championships by yourself with no talent, I'll take Allen Iverson because that last time I checked, Aaron McKee, Eric Snow, and Matumbo wasn't world beaters. Yeah, I, me personally, I, I like Russell Westbrook. I'm definitely more of an Iverson fan than Westbrook, though. Um, I think both of them, hell, you know, hell of a career for both players. But I would take Iverson's um, career over Westbrook's. But that's not to diminish Westbrook's accomplishments or his career. And I'm going with Iverson. If we replace Westbrook Iverson when OKC had uh, the Warriors down three games to one, would Warriors come back? No, no, I don't think so. Well, took over that game and get them the hell up out of there. Yeah, yeah. Without whether KD showed up or not, I yeah. KD, give me the rock. AI, AI is a well, multiple scoring champion, rookie of the year, multiple All Star. I mean, this guy, this guy playing in, in, in a hand check era. Yeah. It was killing cats and killing cats when cats was playing defense. <laughs> yeah. Grab you, holding you the ground. And Iverson stayed on the floor. Or they're yeah. throwing the floor for the one on Shaq, on Zoe, on Ewan, on Robinson, on Matumbo. But everybody. Marcus Camby, everybody. Everybody getting buckets. Yeah. But listen, Westbrook, I respect him. He's cool with me. I get it. 
But Westbrook ain't, ain't Iverson. Man. I see Iverson take over games, man. Take over games by himself. Like this guy had Matt Geiger, Clarence Rutherspoon. <laughs> yeah. Serious, man? Come on, man. Larry Brown was smart as this. You know what? He could score all by himself. All you need a couple guys to score 10 here, 15 there. What was our Aaron McKee here? He was, I guess, the second scorer for the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he got to play defense. And it, and it, and it worked. He got up to the yep. final. But listen, you got Kobe and Shaq in their prime. You're not going to beat that. No, no. Fucking Deck Fisher. They're improving in LA on the low. Yep. But uh, listen, man, give me AI all day, man. They got to take over games, man. Take over all-star games, too, with him and Marbury. Get me started, man. So I'm going to ask you guys one more question before we get out of here. We on, the, we, on the, we on the night of the Mayweather fight. It's probably getting ready to start shortly. What do we think of that whole thing? I'm not too interested in it, you know? <laughs> um, I don't think Paul... Uh, has any I think somebody said it best I can't remember who but they said it should be a privilege to get in the ring with Floyd Mayweather you know one of the guys who's considered if not the most one of the most decorated boxers of all time you know all time greats and you got some guy from YouTube <laughs> again I'm sure he's supposedly training taking it serious and everything else but you, you shouldn't be able, and he's what 0 for 1 this guy, Logan Paul, you shouldn't be able to go from from uh, YouTube to fighting Floyd Mayweather. If that's the case, I want Floyd Mayweather next. <laughs> you know, give me ten million to fight him. If that's the case, if all it takes is running your mouth, I guess the Pauls do have a bit of a they have a hell of a, a following on social media, right? Yeah. 20, 30 million followers and all that. So I, I guess the interest is there, probably from from fans, but. I don't think he has any business in the ring with, with Floyd. Listen, if the fans are willing to get robbed blatantly by Floyd, so be it, man. I, I ain't paying Floyd for Floyd. These people paying for this fight, man. So that being said, uh, I said before in a previous show, is the casual fans, man, taking over the sport, man. That's why we see these Floyd exhibitions. Casual fans taking over. They don't want to see a ring from where he's at with, with zero fights and zero experience fight Mike Tyson. You know what I'm saying? So, they want to see it, they want to pay for it. I ain't mad at Floyd, man. Go ahead, Floyd, yeah. get your money, man. Logan yeah. Paul, money, man. I ain't mad at you guys, man. But real Prudish friends like, 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 like ourselves, man, we don't want to see this, man. This ain't possible. No. Not exhibition fights where nobody nobody loses. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, well, judges to judge the fight. You know, it's just, come on, man. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I agree with both of you guys. I mean, Floyd is funny. Floyd's got a hundred million reasons why he's fight, fighting this fight. So, from sales, too, from the season. Yeah, so, so, for him, it's, it's, it's a no-lose proposition. Right. So I get that. I, I get that fully. But like you said, this is not something that uh, a, a boxing purist wants to see. It's just a, a, a spectacle and a bunch of exhibition stuff. And the sad thing about it is I can see more of this stuff starting to happen just because, like you said, the casual fan, next thing you know, we're going to have people racing cheetahs and, and, and doing all types of other crazy stuff just for money. Wrestling yeah. alligators in the ring for money or something. People want to see crazy right. stuff, so who knows? But, guys, thank you guys again, man. 
for another great show. Glad to talk sports with you guys. Any parting words? Um, my Knicks got bumped. I think we had a hell of a year. I'm looking forward to um, what we do next year. Off season is coming. Let's go Knicks. Uh, for the, all boxer fans, Jim Lampley's back in the boxing business uh, doing commentating for Thriller Network, I should say. Uh, so that's good for boxing, having Jim Lampley back uh, doing announcing boxing. Uh, shout out to Gary Payton and um, She Wallace and guys became high school uh, basketball coaches somewhere in North Carolina and uh, California. You know, and uh, let's go Islanders, man, for all the little hockey fans out there, man. I'm not, I'm not really a big hockey guy, but. As far as hockey concerned, let's go New York Islanders, Rangers, and well like that. So Islanders playing well for New York hockey. Hey, again, I, I second that. You know what? Islands and New York team. Let's go Islanders. We're saying Yankees, Yankees and Mets still, you know, still playing well and great contention. So let's keep that up too. But again, thanks again, guys. Have a good day. Later. Sir.